for everybody who's here and everybody at the cafe and everybody uh, watching at home as well. Uh, we're glad you're, you're watching, you're connecting with us uh, this morning. Um, what I, what I want to share this morning, um, I guess we, we kind of finished our little series that we've been going through uh, in the Book of Acts. We've been thinking about the essentials of what it means uh, to be the church. I hope my clicker is going to work for me this morning. I could get the image up on the, the screen. Um, so we've been thinking about uh, those basics from Acts chapter 2 of being devoted to the apostles' teaching and to prayer and to the breaking of bread and to fellowship. Um, and I guess this morning's message is uh, maybe kind of uh, a little extra addendum to that series. It's kind of connected to it, but maybe it will also lead into where we're going to go uh, next. Um, and I, I want to kind of start with an image that's kind of been in my mind a lot recently. Uh, and a little phrase that goes with the image. Um, and after after I kind of introduce that, we'll then dig into scripture a little bit together. Um, but I want to talk this morning about fire. Um, this image kind of keeps popping up for me recently. I, I was listening to a conversation online uh, about what different churches around the UK are doing in the present circumstances to kind of respond creatively to restrictions around coronavirus, and I was very intrigued by all kinds of interesting things that churches are doing. Um, I was particularly fascinated by, I was listening to a discussion about one church in England uh, who have decided that they're going outdoors for the entire winter. Um, and someone in their church has a field, or, or I think it's kind of in an orchard, um, and their, their plan is that right through the winter, uh, they're going to they're gonna wrap up warm and bring umbrellas and all the rest, and people are going to gather in small groups around fires, which will be dotted through the, the orchard. Uh, and they'll have kind of worship and teaching from a, a central stage over the amplifier. Uh, but then people will go into their little groups around the fire and discuss the sermon and talk about how they're going to carry that into their life uh, during the week. Uh, now, I have a few questions about how that's going to work in the middle of winter when the wind is howling and it's uh, below, below zero and all the rest. Um, but I love the, the boldness of that and the creativity of that. And I love that image of looking out and lots of little fires scattered around um, as God's people meet together. Um, and then I think I shared a couple of weeks ago, um, uh, people, the, these images um, kind of popped up uh, on my WhatsApp threads or whatever the last few weeks. So I saw this image of uh, one of our home groups in MCF who've been meeting out in the community garden around the fire uh, as long as the weather would allow. They've been, been doing that and finding a way to meet together. And then I saw this image where some of our young people, young adults, have been meeting on the beach around the fire uh, and ended up sharing together and praying together and singing together around the fire. Uh, so I'm kind of been intrigued by this. Fire keeps popping up uh, all, all over the place. I was chatting with Colin Cochran during the week and he was telling me that he'd been for a visit to Arthur Williamson's house and Colin has a little portable fire pit that he, he can take fire with him everywhere he goes. Um, and so he went to Arthur's house and they sat in the garden and they lit a fire and the two of them sat and had fellowship together in the garden. Um, some of you are going to go and look up later how to get portable fire uh, to carry with you. Um, but thinking about all those things and that image, this uh, is the phrase that's kind of been in my mind. It's little fires everywhere. 
Um, some of you, some of you may be aware that was the name of a TV show that was around a few months ago. I'm not talking about the TV show this morning, um, but that little phrase has been in my mind. Um, I guess I want to offer it to you this morning, both literally and metaphorically. Um, I want to suggest that if the church is going to not only survive but thrive through the winter of coronavirus, we're going to need to light little fires everywhere. Um, we're going to need to be creative and think outside the box and outside the building. Uh, we're going to need to sometimes wrap up warm and just get outside to do things. We're going to need to be intentional. We're going to need to be flexible. Um, we're going to need to create spaces for connection and fellowship. Um, and that may mean literally lighting a fire and gathering a few people around it. Or that may be a metaphor for what we can do, just creating spaces, creating connection uh, in different ways. Um, so I kind of I want to offer you that image and that phrase. Um, and I guess I want to suggest that actually there's something really exciting about this, that some, sometimes we put too much emphasis on one big central fire that we light in the church building or here at the Sandal Centre. Uh, and we become very dependent on that, become the church on a Sunday morning to gather around the fire. Um, and actually, there's something I think really exciting. In this season, it's uncomfortable and it's difficult. Um, not everyone feels able to come to the building. We can't fit everybody in under the restrictions, uh, even, when, even if they did. Um, and that's uncomfortable and challenging. But it also encourages us to go and light little fires everywhere, to carry a burning torch away from the building and go and light little fires everywhere we go, to carry the fire into homes and gardens and neighborhoods and parks and forests and beaches and wherever else we go. Uh, maybe just as the church in the Book of Acts was uncomfortably scattered away from Jerusalem, but they kind of lit little fires everywhere they went. There's something maybe similar can go on in this season, that as we're away from the big fire at the center, we're not able to do that as we would like. Um, maybe there's a call for each of us to see how can I light a fire in my neighborhood and gather a few people around it. Um, so that's the image and that's the, the phrase. Um, but I want to dig with, dig with you a little bit for a few minutes into scripture. So I've, I've kind of been thinking about fire, um, but then I've been thinking about what the Bible says about fire. Um, I want to give you a, a short history of fire in the Bible. Okay, so this is not everything the Bible says about fire. Um, fire um, is a really important image in scripture and it can, it can speak of different things. So sometimes in the Bible, fire speaks of judgment. Uh, that's not what we're gonna be, be talking about this morning. Um, sometimes in the Bible, fire speaks of testing and refining, like gold refined in the fire. Um, and again, that's a, a really interesting theme, but we're not going to focus on that this morning. Uh, but I want to speak about fire uh, as a, a symbol and an expression of God's presence in the Bible. Um, I want to give you just a few examples. So uh, actually three of these are from the book of Exodus. So in Exodus, fire is really important in, in expressing uh, this, this sense of God's presence. So here are three examples. Uh, number one. Uh, the burning bush, uh, Exodus chapter 3, God revealed himself to Moses uh, on an ordinary day when Moses was tending sheep in the wilderness. Um, what happened? The angel of the Lord, representing the presence of God, 
appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush and Moses saw that the bush was on fire but it was not consumed it didn't burn up it's one of the most famous stories in the Bible God appears to Moses in fire um, okay so there's there's one example um, a few chapters later Exodus 13 um, when Moses was leading the people out of Egypt um, what happened then we find the Lord was going before them in a pillar of cloud by day to lead them on the way and in a pillar of fire by night to give them light that they might travel by day and by night so God has shown his desire to lead his people on their way to freedom and he reveals himself to them in a pillar of cloud in the day and in a pillar of fire at night it's something to imagine isn't it being out in the desert out on the edge of the wilderness in the dark at night and this pillar of fire uh, that represents God's presence leading them out towards freedom so so Moses is the burning bush the pillar of fire and then when we get to Exodus 19 and 24 um, twice we're told when the people came to Mount Sinai and that place where God was giving them the law and teaching them how to live um, twice we're told that fire came on the mountain Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire and the smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace and the whole mountain trembled violently and then in Exodus 24 verse 17 to the Israelites the glory of the Lord looked like a consuming fire on top of the mountain the glory of God looked like fire on the mountain it's not really interesting so the book of exodus as god is starting to reveal himself to his people three times he reveals himself as fire um, i wonder as you think about those three examples what what do those stories convey to you about god and um, i've kind of been reflecting on them i i think they all have certain things in common they sort of uh, resonate in different ways um, i think definitely they speak about god's holiness says to Moses take off your sandals because the ground where you're standing is holy and certainly if you've been at Sinai as the mountain shook you had a sense of the, the holiness the awesomeness the majesty of God um, I think all of them also carry a kind of sense of the mystery of God that this is a God who can't be tamed or controlled by us um, the, the bush is, is burning but it's not consumed there's something mysterious going on and he God gives his name to Moses and his name is I am who I am and in all of these stories there's a sense of God's mystery that we can't put him in our pocket that we can't put him in a box he's untamable and yet along with that sense of holiness and mystery there's also a sense in all of these stories of a God who wants to draw near of a God who wants to reveal himself to his people um, who wants to be in relationship with his people that's kind of at the heart of all those stories he's coming to Moses because he wants to know Moses and his people he, he leads them out of Egypt he leads them to the mountain he speaks to them on the mountain because he wants to be in relationship so there's kind of this tension in the stories God is holy God is mysterious God wants to be known and he wants to be in relationship he wants to draw near but maybe even as we say that as, as I read those stories 
there, there's still this sense in those stories, although God is wanting to be known, there's also a little bit of a sense of distance, isn't there? Um, you dare not approach the mountain, right? They're actually told not to approach the mountain. Moses can go near on their behalf, but you can't approach it. And even the pillar of fire leading, leading you is a little bit in the distance. And so God is wanting to be known, but he's still a little bit um, distant from the people. What happens to the image of fire as we get to the New Testament? Um, again, these are only a few examples of fire in the Bible. Uh, but when we get to the New Testament, we find John the Baptist saying this. Uh, John the Baptist says, I baptize with water, but there's one coming after me, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. That's the image that John the Baptist uses. He was speaking about Jesus. Um, and there's some, but there's something now extraordinary going on. God is still the same God. So God is still holy and mysterious and untamable. But Jesus is going to bring the fire of God's presence and put it at the centre of our lives. Jesus brings the fire from the mountain and actually puts it in our hearts. He pours his fire out on us. And yet, like the burning bush, we are not consumed. Jesus brings the fire and actually places it at the centre of our lives as he gives us the Holy Spirit. Um, there's something I think extraordinary in that. Uh, something far better than even the people of Israel in the book of Exodus knew of. They knew of a God leading them all in the distance. But here is Jesus bringing fire and putting it in our hearts. Um, and so when the church was born on the day of Pentecost, of course it says they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them, and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were filled with the very presence of God himself. Um, and so I want to convey something maybe really simple to you this morning that I hope encourages you. As we've done that little survey of one of the threads running through the Bible about fire as a symbol of God's presence. Um, so I want to encourage you with this. The fire of God's presence is within you this morning. Um, it's not far away on an inaccessible mountain or even moving ahead of you as a guide. It is within you. Um, and so as we come back to kind of that image of maybe a few of us gathering around a fire, um, when two or three of us gather together in the name of Jesus, he has promised to be among us and within us. Um, and so actually we come together as carriers of the fire. Um, one of my, my favourite writers uh, from half a century ago, a man called A.W. Tozer, uh, used to talk about Christians. Uh, his, his kind of favourite phrase for talking about believers was the fellowship of the burning heart. And I, I've always loved that. that. We are the fellowship of the burning heart because we are the people in whom God has placed his fire the fire of his own presence. Um, and so whenever we gather together in a little cluster, uh, even if we're socially distanced or whatever, uh, we don't come together to talk about a God who's far away, but to help each other pay attention to the God who is come near in Jesus and is now with us and within us. That's the God we come to pay attention to together. To help each other maybe wake up and pay attention to that. Um, I wonder can you see 
why we don't need to come to a central building always to warm ourselves around the fire of God's presence or to look for light from God. It's good when we can and we're glad when we can and we look forward to the day when we can all do that together again. But wherever you are, you can gather a few others and remind each other of the truth of the gospel that in Jesus, the presence of God has come near and Jesus has baptized us with the Holy Spirit and fire and God's presence is within us. And so we can together find warmth and light in him. You can do it with one or two others. Um, find warmth in the presence of God that is with you and within you. Um, so I want to encourage you really practically um, to, to think about the question, do you have people to connect with over the coming months? Uh, you know we've been, we've been talking about this a wee bit around the church. Um, some of you will have good friends or good neighbours or family members you can do this with. Um, some of you are part of home groups and the home groups are going to be looking for different ways to connect with each other uh, through, the win through the winter. Um, hopefully you've heard by now we're also working on a plan uh, for those who wish to connect people in small groups of three or four, um, either all men or all women. Um, uh, and I guess the, the reason why we're maybe encouraging that at the minute is we, we know that the restrictions from the government are going to ebb and flow. There's going to be times when they're strict and times when they relax a little bit. Uh, and I guess our hope is that little groups like this can be very flexible uh, and can meet in a home when that's allowed. <coughs> um, it can also meet in the Sandal Centre or meet in the garden or meet in the marquee uh, or meet online or meet around a fire. And just find ways to connect together uh, over the winter. So I want to encourage you to be thinking about that. If you don't need our help to do that, you can go ahead and do it uh, with people you want to connect with. Uh, but if you need a little bit of help and would like to be connected with a few others through the winter, uh, then do, do let us know. We'd love to help everybody just uh, connect together. Uh, but I guess for the last few minutes, um, what, I, what I want to think about is this. So assuming, assuming we've all found a few people that we can do this with, um, how do we keep the fire of God's presence at the centre as we meet together? Um, how do we make sure we're not just a bunch of people meeting together to have a nice time, but forgetting about the fire of God's presence? Um, how do we keep the fire at the centre? Um, and this is where this kind of overlaps, uh, as you'll see with what we've been thinking about for the last few weeks. Because I want to suggest uh, three ways to make sure you keep God's fire at the centre. Uh, the first one is, uh, as you gather in your little three or four, or however many it is, um, share scripture together. Take the Bible seriously as the place where God speaks. Um, and I guess as, as we've been thinking about the presence of God, what, what I want to say about the Bible is this. Um, don't just read the Bible um, as a record of people long ago who encountered God and, and were spoken to by God. Uh, but read the Bible expecting him to speak to you here and now. Expecting him to come and meet with you here and now. The living God speaking through his living word. Do you, do you get the difference between those two things? Sometimes we read the Bible as this record of people uh, long ago and far away who met with God and had these extraordinary experiences. We need to read the Bible with this expectancy that that God is here and wanting to reveal himself to us. 
an author called Chris Webb says the Bible is not a theological textbook or a philosophical treatise or even the answer book to life's questions. It's a place where the presence of God breaks into this world and bursts into our lives. Even though it's not consumed, this book burns with unquenchable fire. Wonder do you believe that about the Word of God? Is it the fire where God meets us and speaks to us? Wonder do we come with that expectancy? Um, so I want to encourage you, wherever you cluster, uh, there are many ways to put scripture at the center. It, it might mean that you're doing an in-depth Bible study, or it might mean that you ask one person in your group just to share what has God been saying to you recently through his word. Or it might be that you take turns, each of you, just to bring something that you've been learning from God's word. There's lots of ways to put the word at the center. But make sure whenever you're connecting together, you want to keep the fire at the center, keep God's word at the center of our meeting together. The second thing um, is to pray. Um, don't just talk about God, talk to God. Um, whatever else you're talking about when you meet together, turn it into prayer. So if you're reading the Bible, turn what you've read into prayer. If you're sharing about what's going on in your lives, turn what you're sharing into prayer. Um, and again, thinking about God's presence as you pray, not just praying to a God who's far away, but to one who's with you and within you. Um, remember that extraordinary thing the Apostle Paul said, that when we, we don't know what to pray, the Spirit himself is interceding with groans beyond words. What does it mean for us just to pay attention to the Spirit that is with us, the Spirit that is within us? What's on his heart? And how can we join in and pray in the Spirit and with the Spirit as we pray? Um, I want to acknowledge lots of us find praying with others tricky. Uh, I don't know exactly why that always is, but we, we often find praying with others awkward or difficult. Um, can I encourage you when you're in your little group, talk about why that is. Talk to each other about why, why do you find it awkward or difficult, and how can we find ways to make it a little easier for each other. Um, and if I can give you one really, really practical uh, piece of advice, I think often what really intimidates people about praying in a group is when someone who prays before them prays a prayer that is very long and very uh, lofty, shall I say. And actually one of the ways we can really help each other is to keep our prayers really short and really simple. And then everyone will feel able to join in. There may be something Jesus said that was kind of along those lines. Um, we'll not be heard because of our many words. Your father knows what's on your heart. So uh, pray with simplicity uh, and others will be able to join in. So keep scripture at the center, keep the fire at the center. Pray, uh, talk to God as you meet together. Uh, but the third thing is to share life together. Um, in other words, just share the things that are going on in your ordinary lives. And I think part of what that's about is um, take your ordinary lives seriously as a place where God is present. Let me say that again. Take your ordinary lives seriously as a place where God is present, um, where God is speaking and God is revealing himself and guiding for those with ears to hear and those with eyes to see. Sometimes we don't notice him, but he's always there. And so as we share what's going on in our lives, we are looking, we're kind of like detectives, looking together for signs of God at work in our lives. Um, 
Sometimes when we get together as Christians, um, if we're not careful, we can be just like any group of friends in our world, uh, and we get together and we worry together, and we complain together, and we gossip together in a slightly Christianized way, um, and we discuss and debate together. Um, and actually, I think it takes some intentionality to keep reminding each other to bring our conversation back to this. When, where do you see God at work in the middle of all that? Where can you hear God speaking to you in the middle of all that? What might God be doing? What might God be saying? And look for signs of God's presence at work in the middle of your ordinary life. And I think we need each other just to keep calling us back to that so we don't just become complainers and winders and all the rest and gossip, but actually keep looking for what God is doing in our lives. Um, as we talk about those three things, scripture and prayer and sharing life, um, in your little group, whether it's your home group or your group of friends or your little prayer triplet or whatever it is, be aware of what way you lean. In my experience, um, little groups of Christians tend to lean in one, one, one of two directions. We either lean towards just wanting to do Bible study all the time, and prayer gets squeezed out or kind of uh, squeezed in at the very end, and sharing life sometimes doesn't happen at all. That's one tendency. If that's, if that's your tendency, make sure you allow space for prayer and for sharing what's going on in your life. The other tendency is to spend all our time sharing life uh, and sharing what's going on in our lives. But again, maybe not getting to prayer and forgetting to bring the word of God to bear on what's going on in our lives. And talk about what, what does God's word have, have to say in relation to what's going on in our lives. Um, you can tell me if your experience has been different later. Um, I haven't met many small groups who get so obsessed with praying all the time that they forget the other two. I think that one is much rarer. And that's worth thinking about why that is. Um, but just be aware of what the tendency of your little group is and try and make sure you allow room, I think, in some mixture for all of these things uh, to happen. Um, here's what I want to finish. Um, I want to just finish by encouraging you, uh, as you do those three things uh, in your little groups, as you read scripture, as you pray, as you share life, um, don't let any of those things become just dull routine, uh, which can happen so easily, where we read some Bible and we say some prayers and we ask each other, how's it going in your life? Uh, but pay attention to the presence of God in your midst. I guess I've been wondering if, Maybe we actually need to say this to each other out loud from time to time. We need somebody in our little group who will say, say to us, God is in this place. And we didn't realise it. We were so busy just doing our thing. We forgot it. God is here with us right now. God is within you. God is within me. Is that not the most extraordinary thing to be able to say? Um, I want to encourage you in your friendship groups and as we're talking. Maybe be bold enough every now and again to say to your friends, to say to your group, let's just take a pause and remember we're on holy ground. Maybe we need to take our shoes off, maybe not. Um, say, he is here and he is holy. We're standing in his glory. Yeah. Um, I want to finish with this quotation um, again from Tozer. Uh, he's one of my, one of my heroes. I go back to this quotation again and again. He says, the world is perishing 
the lack of the knowledge of God. And the church is famishing for want of his presence. The instant cure of most of our religious ills would be to enter the presence in spiritual experience, to become suddenly aware that we are in God and he is in us. This would lift us out of our pitiful narrowness and cause our hearts to be enlarged. And it would burn away the impurities from our lives as the bugs and the fungi were burned away by the fire that dwelt in the bush. I love that title image. Um, become suddenly aware that we are in God and God is in us. Let's pray together uh, in light of this, and then we're gonna we're gonna sing. You can ask the band to come. We'll just be ready. And after we pray, uh, we're gonna we're gonna sing together again. Father, thank you for this extraordinary good news that we're we're never gonna be able to fathom. Jesus has brought the fire from the mountain and brought it and placed it right at the centre of our lives so that we can say the God of heaven, the God who created the universe, the God who thundered on Mount Sinai, the God of holiness, God of majesty, God of, uh, who, who dwells in unapproachable light and yet he dwells within me. This is the mystery at the heart of the gospel. Paul says it's Christ in us, the hope of glory. Father, help us never to take this for granted. And Father, I want to pray in our church, in our home groups, in our friendship groups, in our prayer groups. Help us to keep reminding each other of this extraordinary mystery. Help us to keep reminding each other that you are here, that you are present. Help us to pause long enough in our days just to acknowledge that and be overwhelmed by it again. Father, help us to know even right now this morning as we meet in strange circumstances and we sit with our chairs apart on our last song that you are here and you are holy and you are love and you're wanting to meet with us. Help us to pay attention. Lift us out of the narrowness of our lives and make us aware of the presence of the God of heaven in our ordinary days. I pray in the name of Jesus.